You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. Now, let's get into the podcast. So friends, we are, we are um, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about prayer from the perspective of an understanding that prayer is this, this wonderful means of grace, if you will, this, this gift, if you will, that God has given us. Because God wants to be in relationship with us. God wants to, wants to talk to you. He wants to share His heart with you. He wants to, to share with you why, why you exist why he created you, why you were born. He wants to share his plan with you. And, and, and God wants to be in a close and real and intimate relationship with you. He wants you to talk to him and he wants to talk to you. And he's given us this great gift that we call prayer. And so in the series, we are saying, Lord, will you take us on a journey to draw us closer to you and develop within us a more intimate and authentic prayer life. For we hunger and thirst for you. And we know that you long to be with us. And so we're talking about prayer. And so the way we're doing it in this series is we're looking at different characters in the Bible. We, we've looked at Moses. We, we, look, we talked about David a little bit last week. And today we're going to talk about Elijah. Uh, now, uh, let me just set the scene for us. And, and today I want to get a little bit practical. I, I want to give us not so much how-tos. I don't think the Bible was written as kind of a, a step five how-to model to fix your life. I don't think the Bible was written in that way. And I don't think that's really for the purpose of, of the Bible. And we should read the Bible uh, in a different way. That's a different sermon. Uh, but I still believe that when we talk about prayer, there are certain patterns that we can see in God's Word. And in Elijah, there's this one story I want to look at where we see this clear pattern. On prayer, and so I want to give us five practical things on how to pray. How to end the drought and say, Lord, send the rain. Understanding it's symbolic of new life, new beginning. End the drought, the wilderness, the barrenness, the dryness, and send your rain. How do, we, how do we pray for that? Elijah te uh, teaches us. Okay, very quickly, set the scene. Uh, Elijah was this well-known, and, and many of you will have heard his name and know about him, this Old Testament prophet. And um, God used him in a powerful way to give God's message to God's people. Uh, so we read of Elijah in the Old Testament, but also, in fact, um, in the New Testament. We read of Elijah. We, for example, read of Elijah appearing with Moses to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, we read in James, uh, in the book of James, uh, speaking about uh, Elijah and about his prayer life in particular. Go and read the book of James. James 5, for example, will teach us about uh, Elijah and his prayer life. 
uh, there's this line in the book of James where speaking about Elijah says, he was a man, a person just like us. I love that line because it tells me that this guy's got something to teach me about prayer. He's just like me, understanding the highs and lows, the ups and downs of life. I can relate to him. And so, in fact, then he's not just somebody that is far off and has got no understanding of who I am and the things that I wrestle with in life. And because that's not the case, he can teach me about prayer. So now I'm interested. Now I want to read. What do I learn about prayer from Elijah? Okay, so he lived about 900 years or so before Jesus. Uh, in a period where, and you read his story, for example, in 1 Kings, you will read about him. Um, and today's story comes from 1 Kings, chapter 18. But to set the scene for you, uh, there, so Israel was in a period having a lot of kings. Uh, interesting theological conversation, which we don't have time for today. Uh, God didn't want to really give them kings. He said, you don't need a king. I will be your king. You know? But the people were like, no, we want a king. Give us a king. The guy said, great, here are kings. Well, turns out most of them were just horrible people. So they had a bunch of kings, uh, one or two good ones, but predominantly really not nice ones. Not nice people at all. So the story of Elijah, we read about King Ahab. Now, Ahab was no different. He was just a horrible human being, a barbarian, despicable. And in fact, uh, his wife was no better. He married a lady by the name of Jezebel. You've heard about Jezebel, right? Yeah, exactly. And the two of them together said, you know what? Because there was a bit of prosperity in the land. So they said, well, actually, things are going great. We don't need God. God is only for people who are desperate. You know? So we're good. We've got everything we need. We don't need God. And so they turned their backs on God. And in fact, through Jezebel's influence, um, said, well, maybe there's a better way. Let's look at pagan gods and so Baal and so on. You've heard of that. And so together they started building altars and temples in Samaria, for example, to this, <clears throat> to this pagan gods, Baal. God was angry because these are his children. You are my people. I love you. Can you imagine you as a parent, your kids, and your kids turn your back on you and saying, you're not my dad anymore. I don't want to know you. I'm not interested. I'm going to go with this other guy. And so God's heart's broken. And God then calls Elijah, and he says, Elijah, send a message to my children. Send a message to my people to say, look, I love them, and I want them to return to me. That life only makes sense with me. And so they turn their backs on God. And, and really, Elijah's message was, listen, you've got to choose. You've got to choose. You can't live with one foot here and one foot there. You've got to choose me or these other gods. So, so what happened was um, God, uh, Elijah sends this message. He goes to Ahab. He goes to the people and says, look, you've got, to, you've got to come back to God. Wake up. Wake up before it's too late. And what's going to happen if you don't? There's going to be this drought that you're going to experience. Well, you know what we like. We're stubborn. We like to do our own thing. And so the people are no different. They didn't turn to God. And so Elijah prayed. And we read about this in James. And there was this drought. 
Well, Elijah then, after delivering this message and after the drought came, God said, Elijah, maybe it's a good idea if you get out of town because you're not very popular and everybody wanted to lynch him. So he disappeared for a bit. And then three years into this drought, we have this climatic moment. Now remember, for three years, there's been barrenness and wilderness and suffering and drought. And God says, Elijah, go back to the people. And we have this this tremendous moment where they're on Mount Carmel. You know the story, right? And Elijah says, right. Let's then once and for all, let me show you that God is real. If you think your God's real, okay, well, let's then do this. So on the mountain, get some bulls. So they got some animals, got some wood, built this altar and said, okay, so here's Elijah by himself and 400 of these pagan uh, priests, 400 of them. So he says, okay, here's what we'll do. If your God's real, then call down, ask him to send fire to burn up the sacrifice. Oh, and they were praying. They were praying, and they were dancing, and they were praying, but nothing happened. And I love how, if you go and read the story in 1 Kings, I love how Elijah just kind of, I I can just imagine it. He's standing on the sideline, and then he kind of, not mocks them, but he kind of spurs them on. He says, okay, you know, maybe pray a bit more. And they pray more. and And so he goes, well, maybe he's traveling. You know, try again. And then he goes, well, oh, I know what the problem is. Maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe you should just shout a bit louder. Go on. And he's like egging them on. Nothing happens. Then Elijah says, okay, great. My turn. <laughs> and he says, okay, same thing. Bring this animal, bring. And then he took 12 stones and he built this altar, this altar representing the tribes of Israel. And he built this thing. He says, I tell you what, bring me water. Pour water all over this. Let's just soak this thing. And they bring jugs of water again. He says, no, no, no. Bring more. Bring more. He dug some trenches around. They filled the trenches with water. This thing was soaked. And he prayed one simple prayer. God of the heavens, will you answer your servant's prayer and show and remind your people that you are God. And fire comes down, burns up everything, the stones, everything. And this great miracle takes place. And uh, the end result really is, is that the people are reminded again that they need God in their lives. That there is only one true God. And so this is now the scene. And then straight after that, Elijah prays this prayer. And in this prayer, I think we can discern practical things that I want to give to you that says, God, will you end the drought in my life and bring your fire, bring your rain and revive me and bring your life, draw me closer to you. And he prays this prayer because remember, there's still drought. And it's a prayer that says, Lord, will you end the drought and bring your rain? And in that prayer, to end the drought and bring the rain, we learn something practical about what that kind of praying looks like. Let me read it for us. It's in Elijah chapter 18, verses 41. I'm going to read till about 43 or so. What did I say? Okay, one kings. You know what I mean. One kings, 18, verse 41. 
the story about Elijah. Praying. Okay, so we had this big event now, and now he prays. And the prayer is about God. Your people have seen, they have repented, they have said, God, we need you, we want you, we want to return back to you. We've tried to live without you, and it was a mess. We made a mess of things. We want to come back to you. And so now he prays, Lord, okay, will you send your rain? Here's what this prayer looks like. Elijah said to Ahab, remember he's the king. Okay, Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of rushing rain. So something great is about to happen, he says. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, number one. There he bowed himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, no, there's nothing. Then he said, go again, seven times. At the seventh time, he said, look, a little cloud, no bigger than a person's hand, is rising up out of the sea. Amen. So here's this prayer. You'll read more about this prayer in the book of James. That gives a bit more detail to the story. I believe there are five things in there that is practical and real, a pattern repeated throughout Scripture. In the life of Jesus, we see this repeated as well that I want to share with you. Okay, what did he do? Number one, here's the first thing. He went up, what does it say? Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel. So here's the first thing if you're taking notes. He separated himself. He removed himself from his space and his place, and he set time aside, and he went up to the top of the mountain. In other words, what I'm saying is there's something. When I want to pray, God, will you end the drought and send the rain? God honors when we take and we, when we are intentional and deliberate, and we set, side, and we set time aside to separate ourselves from where our situation and to give space and time for God. Why? Because what is it about? It's about attention. It's about giving God our full attention. And of course we know we can pray anytime, anywhere, any place. We know that. But when we're talking about intimate prayer and we're talking about communing with our God, there is something that God honors when you and I say, God, you matter. This conversation is important and my time with you is so important to me. I'm going to take time. I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to set myself aside and time aside and say, God, for the next half an hour, I lock myself in my study or in my garden or wherever it is, but I'm going to take and I'm going to separate myself and for the next half an hour or whatever it might be, you have my full attention. You and I, we're going to talk. And so that begins with that. There's that pattern. Jesus did this. It repeats itself in Scripture. There's value, my friends. Yes, it's great when you sit in the car and you're traffic and you drive, whatever, and you're shopping and you pray. Well, you know, pray anytime, anywhere we know that. But there's a beautiful thing when God's people... Say, so God, now it's you and me. 
and I separate myself and I give myself intentionally and deliberate space, place, and time to commune with my God. That's number one. Number two, I'm going to go through these quickly. Number two, so then what happens? Okay, so he goes up to the top of the mountain. Then, there he bowed himself down upon the earth, and I love this, and he put his face between his knees. Physically, I don't think I'm able to do that, but if I could. (laughs) It's symbolic of what? So here's the second thing. He humbled himself before his God. I think when we want to talk about God, will you end the drought and the wilderness of my life? And will you send your rain and your new life, a new season, refresh my soul? I need to give time and space for that. But I also need to come with a certain, and here's what we're talking about, a certain posture, a certain attitude. I approach it with a certain attitude. I don't come to God with arrogance and pride. But I come to God with a spirit that says, and here's what Elijah did, with a spirit that says, God, you are God, not me. I put my face between my knees. You are Lord, not me. I need you. I cannot without you. You are the answer. You are what I need. And yes, I spoke when I spoke about David and Moses. I said, you know what, to be honest and real. And it's okay to come to God and to push back and have our objections and our questions. And even argue with God. That's okay. But I can do that still having an attitude and a posture of humility and reverence. Saying, you are God, not me. It's about having the right attitude when I come to God in prayer. So he humbled himself before God. In James 4, verse 10, it says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Thinking about this with Elijah getting down and and his face between his knees, just just imagine that. And imagine that that, that physical experience what that is, what's going on in his heart and his attitude that he wants to do that. I remember, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, uh, maybe you've even seen this in movies, but I was taught that, you know, before I go to bed, you know, I must say my prayers and I had to kneel next to my bed. Anybody's parents? Or, did you, was it just, okay, maybe it's just me. Okay, maybe one or two of us. But just think about, okay, you know, kneel by the side of your bed, say your prayers, and you get into bed. And I thought about that as I was preparing this. And I thought to myself, Paul, when was the last time you were on your knees before God? And it's with that attitude that Elijah came to God. Lord, will you end the drought and send the rain? And he knelt before the Lord. So he separated himself. He came with a posture of humility. He said, God, I don't have the answers, but you do. You are what I need. And so I bow down before you. Third thing that I see, and and, and James tells us in James chapter 5, James tells us about how he prayed this prayer. And it says, uh, uh, James says, Elijah prayed specifically. And that's the third thing. We need to come and pray specifically, not just general vague prayers. And you know what? 
and I, and I include myself, when we pray, we tend to be very vague and very general. Lord, please, will you bless us today? Lord, please, will you be with so-and-so today? But what I learned here about Elijah is he prayed specifically, Lord, your people have turned their backs on you. Will you be merciful unto them and remind them that you are God? And the way of doing that to help them wake up, will you send a drought? Specific. Send a drought, not you know, send flies or this. Send a drought. He was specific. And then to end, he said, Lord, your people have, have repented. Will you end the drought? God honors when we are specific in our prayers. Here's the thing about praying specifically. It takes more effort. But here's the beautiful thing. It takes more effort, but it makes it easier to recognize when God has answered our prayers. Do you get it? So I pray specifically. So I pray, Lord, please, will you be with Johan? But Lord, I pray specifically that you'll give him patience because he has to work with me six days a week. <laughs> but Lord, then I pray for Manya because she has to live with him seven days a week. <laughs> give her patience, I pray. And so Elijah was specific when he prayed, and I encourage you to do the same. God, this thing is going on in my life. This is the thing I'm struggling with, and I want to talk to you about this thing. Easier to spot when God answers our prayers. Okay, number four. We're almost there. James also tells us about how Elijah prayed. He said, Elijah prayed earnestly. You know the word earnestly? It says he prayed with passion, with fire. He prayed fervently. In other words, he felt what he prayed. It wasn't just, and it must be, an intellectual thing. It must be that. But it wasn't just that. He prayed to God with every fiber of his being. He felt what he prayed. There was emotion. There was earnestly he was praying with fervency, with passion. He was, he's, he was moved by the plight of the people. And from that place he prayed. It seems to me that God honors when we talk about, will you end the drought and send the rain? That God honors earnest prayers. Fire prayers, passion prayers. Prayers with tears in our eyes. Prayers on our knees. God, will you hear me? And then finally. So he was fully engaged with what he was praying. Number five. We see it in the story. So he prays that God will end the drought. He sends his servant, go and look. And his servant comes back. He says, there's nothing. But Elijah kept on praying. Again, and again, and again, and again. Seven times. Eventually, the servant comes back. Yep, there's a tiny little cloud the size of a hand. And so what's number five? Persistence. When it comes to prayer and growing our intimacy and saying, God, will you end the drought and send life and rain? 
God honors when we are persistent and we don't give up. You know, but here's what we do. We know Schiphol, drop and go, airport, you know, at the top there when you drive, you drop your family member off and then you go. That seems to be how we pray most of the time. Drop a prayer and go. You see, to pray persistently with persistence speaks about two things. I think number one, it speaks about faith and belief. When I keep on praying and I see this with Elijah, what, what I'm saying is, God, I believe you are listening. I believe you are hearing. I believe the answer is on the way. Despite the fact that I don't see any clouds yet, I believe I'm going to keep on praying because I believe in you. It is a demonstration of faith, persistent prayer. And so here's what I learned about Elijah. He did not let the outward circumstances, he did not let the outward circumstances, in other words, the lack of clouds, he did not let the outward circumstances affect his inward assurance, i.e. faith, that the answer is on the way. Don't let the outward circumstances affect your inward assurance that the answer is on the way. So persistence is about faith. Do you trust me? But it's also about, persistence is about, it teaches us to wait on the Lord. Because what we tend to do, we drop and we go. Did you ever play, okay, I might now just tell you a bit about my uh, childhood. But did you ever play as a kid, please somebody tell me you did. Otherwise, if you don't, I'm going to feel very lonely. That game where you ring the neighbor's doorbell and then you run. Please tell me I'm not on my own. Okay, thank you. I don't know what you call it in Dutch or, or, or wherever you grew up, but I'll tell you what we call it where, where I grew up in South Africa. Tok Toki. What do you call it here? Balletje? Trekker. Okay, well, great. So you, so you know what I'm talking about. But when it comes to prayer, that's kind of what we do. We ring God's doorbell and then we run. And we don't wait for him to actually open the door. That's if you want him to open the door. And I see here with Elijah that he was persistent in his prayer. He remained in place. He rang God's bell, as it were, and he remained in place till God answered his prayer. Persistence. Will you persist in your prayer, God? Will you end the drought and send the rain, I pray? I want to I say this to you. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for, in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Persistence is to remain in place. I want to say this to you. Faithful prayer, and hear me, faithful prayer is not a waste of time. God honors the prayers of his people. You want to know why? Because the prayers of his people honors him. Faithful prayer. Praying and going on this journey to say, God, I want to draw closer to you. Teach me how to pray. Revive my, my prayer life with you is not a waste 
of your time. It's probably the best investment of your time to commune with your creator. Amen, I'm done. Um, I, I want us to do this. We're talking about prayer. I, uh, Randy, we are not going to do the video. So where's Randy and team? Why don't you guys come up so long? We're going to sing together now. But here's what I want us to do whilst Randy and them are, are, are playing the next song. I want you to take a moment and spend a bit of time in prayer here now. I want you to, with this idea of, God, will you, will you end the drought and send the rain? New life. I want you to bring before God specifically and fervently that one thing that is on your heart, on your mind, that thing that's been living with you, and you know what it is. You know. We all know. We all have that thing that's, that's in our soul. Spend a bit of time, and I ask you now to just where you are, just stay seated where you are in the quietness of your own mind and soul. Just bring that to God. And then what I want you to do, will you take a moment also, whilst Randy and them are singing, turn to your neighbor if you've got a neighbor and pray for your neighbor. If your neighbor will let you, and neighbor, please let your neighbor pray for you. So not just pray for yourself, but let's just take a minute and pray for one another. And then once we've done that, we can join in with the worship team and continue singing. What this is, I want to give us just a minute or two just to respond to what we've heard. Take this time to pray. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.